Just a couple of announcements before we start. Uh, for those that entered later, we said something earlier. Uh, but as you come in each meeting, right back there on that back table, right, will be the outline. Right, in English, Burmese, Chinese, Russian, and Spanish. Amen. Right? That's why we can't handle mountains. <laughs> So you have to go back to the smorgasbord and pick up your outline. Uh, the other thing to take note of is this parking lot over here that's diagonal to the, the hall across that intersection. Right? That is off limits. Right? Uh, you, private parking and you will be towed. So don't make that mistake. Right? Praise the Lord. Okay, how about uh, we're going to read all the verses on the outline. Hopefully. Most of you have outlines. If you don't, please go pick one up now. So let's all together read Ephesians 2.15. And then the, bro or the, the sisters read 4.22-24. And then the brothers will read Colossians 3.10-12. Okay, all together on Ephesians 2.15. Abolishing in his flesh the law of the commandments in ordinances, that he might create the two in himself into one new man, so making peace. Abolishing in his flesh the law of the commandments in ordinances, that he might create the two in himself into one new man, so making peace. Okay, sisters, 422 through 24. That you put off as regards your former manner of saints. Surely Jesus is getting us together. Amen. Uh, this weekend we are on this general subject, uh, on the living of the one new man. Back in uh, February, uh, in our uh, international blending conference uh, in Taiwan, uh, we touched on this subject of 
the goal of the Lord's recovery is to bring forth the one new man. Well, since then, there has been uh, a continual burden in the ministry regarding this matter of the one new man. <clears throat> uh, I hope that uh, uh, this weekend, by uh, getting into these messages, the Lord will revisit us, will revive us, even to impart afresh, even a sense of purpose, uh, a, com a sense of commission, even in our being, uh, as the Lord's recovery on this earth. We are not here just to merely carry out some meetings, uh, to carry out some kind of uh, uh, formality, but we are here with the goal of bringing forth the one new man. <clears throat> of course, we all know this one new man refers to the church, but it's not just a church in an ordinary sense, but the church in a very particular sense. The church as a person. The church as a new man. So we need much uh, development uh, concerning this matter. Um, I said uh, back in February, we uh, released those messages in Taiwan, and then followed by the uh, the elders' training in Anaheim in April, uh, we got on to the matter of taking Christ as the person and living Him in and for the church life, which is really a further development of this matter of the new man. That's actually, that is the, the crux of what it means to have the one new man church life is to take Christ as the person. And then in the Labor Day conference, we went on to see the, uh, the aspect of the fighting of the spiritual warfare, which is a key function of the new man. The new man has this obligation, has this particular function of engaging spiritual warfare against the enemy. So uh, even up to now, uh, I believe the burden is still here with us. How the Lord may gain this one new man uh, in his recovery, in the church life, with all the saints. We should not be content with just some familiarity of the words. Uh, here and there, the saints talk about the one new man, look at how wonderful uh, you know, we had 30,000 saints gathered together in Taipei this time, uh, representing 62 countries or more. It was a glorious scene, some of you who were there. And then some, some exclaimed, oh, what a one new man that was. Well, one new man is not just about how many countries, how many colors, races, languages coming together under one roof. That's not what the intrinsic significance of the new man. The new man actually is to have just one person, Christ himself, who is all and in all. Amen. Regardless, in spite of all the languages and colors 
statuses and races, there is only one person among us. This standard is high. Nothing can be higher than this. Nothing can be stricter than this. But the Lord must gain this. Dear saints, we are moving toward this goal. For the Lord to gain this one new man today. This one new man will be the bride. You wonder, you know, the Lord, the Lord will return. We all know. But he is returning for what? He is returning to gain his bride. Right? For his marriage. Who will be his bride? Where will be his bride? In America? In Europe? In China? In Africa? Well, Christ has only one bride. One bride. This bride is cons consisting of all his people, all the believers all over the earth. How can that be? This bride is just <clears throat> the preparation of the bride is just the maturity of this new man. When this new man is full grown, he will become the prepared bride for Christ to return. So, touching this subject, I feel it is very, very critical and is uh, uh, in relation to the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose. We should not consider this is just another subject for a conference to talk about. We are touching something of eternity, of eternal uh, weight, of eternal significance. <clears throat> Whether God can gain this one new man or not will determine whether his purpose can be fulfilled and will determine how soon Christ can return. <clears throat> so this is a, a tremendously uh, great matter. Back in 1922, <clears throat> when the Lord raised up Brother Watchman Nee in China, not too long after that, of course, Brother Nee ministered uh, the matter of salvation. And also, not too long, he got on to the matter of the church, the practice of the church life. And then in 1939, the Lord began to show him not only the church as local congregation, local assemblies, but even as the body of Christ. That's when he, after he visited Europe, for an extended period of time, observing the situation there of the, of the Brethren Assembly, he was greatly disturbed of the situation among God's people. He came back to China, revisiting the Bible, studying the Bible again, and he was so much touched by the matter of the body of Christ. The church is not just many congregations. The church is an organic body. There is only one body in the universe, indivisible. And he called the conference upon his return. That was uh, published in today's book, The Glorious Church. Those messages were released after, right after his return from Europe. 
There was uh, anyone who read that book, you agree that that was just a tremendous light released concerning not just the church in a congregational sense, but the church according to God's eternal purpose as his body for the fulfillment of his purpose to cause enemy to suffer loss, to defeat him, and to bring in his kingdom. <clears throat> that was in 1939. And Brother Nee began to minister very much concerning the church as the body of Christ. Then, of course, Brother, Watchman, Brother Witness Lee brought into uh, uh, working together with him in 1933, and then later on was sent out to Taiwan and into America. In 1977, Brother, Brother Lee released many messages concerning the one new man. That was unprecedented. I don't recall Brother Nee release uh, any messages on the new man that I know of. Maybe there, maybe there, uh, uh, there were, uh, uh, but uh, I'm not aware that uh, uh, he spoke much about the, this matter until Brother Lee released those messages in 1977 in Taipei. And that was 41 years ago. <clears throat> and of course, we were very uh, much enlightened, very much uh, excited, and then I think we somewhat uh, uh, picked up even that expression, the church is the one new man. But I think we all have to admit that we don't really know what the church as the one new man means. We saw the church as the new man based on Colossians 3.11 about in the church there should not be Jews and Greeks, circumcision, uncircumcision, slave, free man, uh, barbarian, Scythian. We don't have any differences in statuses, in races, in, in uh, uh, religious preferences. There is only Christ, only one person who is all and in all. So we are excited about that. So that uh, in the church there should not be any differences, that we all are just one. So, <clears throat> but the new man goes further than that, goes deeper than that. And the Lord knows that even though the messages were released then, we were not quite ready to enter them, enter into them fully. And it would, I would say it took the Lord another 40 years to prepare us through Brother Lee's incessant speaking concerning the body of Christ, the reality of the body of Christ, to help us to enter into this realization today of what the one new man is. I don't think that without a further seeing and experience of the body of Christ that we can fully apprehend what the one new man is. The body of Christ and the new man actually are not two separate entities, are not two different things. The body of Christ is the new man. The new man is the body of Christ. Except that it has two, it has, uh, two, different, uh, the, the two different emphasis. The body of Christ emphasizes on the life aspect, that Christ is the life of this being, enabling this this being to move about, right? But the man 
emphasizes on the person, enabling this person to make decision. <clears throat> These are not two separate things. But in order for us to, to enter into <clears throat> the reality and practicality of the new man, we have to see what is the body of Christ. The organic body of Christ, taking Christ as our life, allowing Christ to fill us, to saturate us. He is the organic life in our being. Then we'll be ready to enter into the church as the new man, where there is only one person. Christ is not only our life, but he is also our person. Dear saints, I hope that uh, <clears throat> as we are living in the church life these days, we should know where we are, where the recovery is today, and how we should respond to the Lord and cooperate with the Lord for his move. As I mentioned, Brother Lee, for, uh, uh, the Lord raised up Brother Nee back in uh, 1922. In four more years, it will be one century, 100 years of a history among us as a corporate people. I don't think there has ever been a corporate group of people in church history that lasted this long with this kind of a commission moving together toward a goal. Not even with the British brethren who were so prevailing in the early 1800s only lasted for about 25, 30 years. And it fizzled out with such a high, with such a rich recovery of the truths through the brethren. But that group did not last that long. But today, dear saints, we have to consider, by the Lord's mercy, we are still here today. Even after Brother Lee had been with the Lord for 21 years. You know, a prominent leader has gone. <clears throat> whenever in Christianity, whenever the prominent leader is gone, you can say that is the end. Nearly the, the, the group just, uh, just that's it. <clears throat> but now, in these last 21 years, I feel is a time of proving, a time of testing and proving to show what the Lord has done and deposited in his recovery and what he wants to gain. So even when in these 21 years, without a prominent brother like Brother Lee among us, providing the leadership, all of us, the co-workers, blending together with all the saints, we are still blending, striving together. Not stopping, not diminishing, but even more, just a Advancing, moving forward. You know, this coming October, there will be an international training of the elders in Ethiopia. In Africa, first ever. I, would, I never dreamed that there could be, I mean, there could be gospel preaching, there can be, a, you know, conferences for international elders training to be held in the continent of Africa without Brother Lee being here. I consider this is, this is the Lord's move. 
This is his recovery. What does this mean? Dear saints, the Lord is still keeping us today, even brother, without Brother Lee being here for the last 21 years. We are nobody, but all the brothers, co-workers, we are blending together, learning to coordinate, to serve together as one body, and bringing all the churches to blend together. As I said, in Taiwan, 30,000 30, saints were willing to come together. That is not a small thing. And, and feast after feast, the saints are willing to come together, right? Because of the vision that has been imparted into us, I consider this are, <clears throat> these are, these are sig very significant days to live in. The Lord is gaining something, desires to gain something. What is he desiring to gain? Not just another witness Lee, another spiritual giant. No, that age is over. He desires to gain a corporate new man. Amen. You and I are responsible for this. We may not be thinking ourselves as anyone, just a little believer, just a, a little brother, a little sister. That doesn't matter. We are all parts of this new man. Amen. And as long as we see this and we learn to apply this, to experience this, the Lord will gain this corporate new man who will become his prepared bride for him to return to consummate this age to bring in his kingdom. This is the only reason why we are still here, even after Brother Lee has gone to be with the Lord. We are not here just to perpetuate a kind of uh, tradition of formality like other denominations, just come together, give a good sermon, and then uh, move on from week to week. No. We have a commission. We have a charge. Because we have seen a vision the bride has to be made ready. And the readying, the preparation of the bride depends on the maturation of the new man. This is where we are. This is not a small matter. So since uh, the February time I have been on this matter, very much the Lord has been burdened me con concerning this matter of the new man, not only in terms of the vision, but also concerning the living, the reality, how the Lord may bring us more, a little bit more, every time we speak on this, to help us to enter into the practical living and the reality, even the practicality of this one new man. We should not be uh, content with just some familiarity of the terms, we have to ask the Lord, Lord, show us what is this one new man. What do you want us to see? What do you want us to experience, to enter, to cooperate with you, that you may gain indeed this one new man that you're after? So may the Lord <clears throat> visit us and be merciful to us this weekend through these uh, five messages we're having this weekend. This morning we are mainly on the vision again, to revisit this matter of what this one new man is. And then the following messages will be on uh, the experience, how to live out this new man. Mainly, the, folk, the main burden, the key burden, 
is related to is related to the matter of taking Christ as the person. Christ must be the person of this new man. Okay, with this, let's take a look at this first message on the the vision of the one new man. The first point says the church, the body of Christ, is the one new man to accomplish God's eternal purpose, a universal corporate God-man. The Bible clearly shows us that God's eternal purpose is not just to save the fallen sinners, but he desires to gain the church as his body, as this universal organism for his expression, for his representation in this universe. The church is what is on God's heart. The church was typified in the Old Testament by the tabernacle, by the temple, by the children of Israel. And then in the New Testament, when Jesus came, came in Matthew 16, he declared, I will build my church. Upon this rock, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Christ coming to the earth is not just to die for saving sinners. He desires to gain the church, even to build the church. And the whole New Testament, the rest of the New Testament, reveals to us how the church was produced and raised up and being built up, and eventually to consummate as the New Jerusalem. This is what the whole Bible reveals to us. God's purpose is to gain the church, which is composed of all of us redeemed ones, right? We've been redeemed by the blood. We have been regenerated by his life so that we can become a part, a member of the church, his body, the universal new man. This is for God's expression and for his representation. He says God's intention in his creation of man was to have a corporate man to express him and to represent him. Eventually, the church as the one new man is the corporate man in God's intention, and this new man will fulfill the twofold purpose of expressing God and dealing with God's enemy. We should never forget Genesis 1.26, right at the start of the Bible, before sin came in, before man became fallen, God's eternal purpose was purely, was clearly revealed to us. After he created the heavens and the earth and all the things, the plants, the animals, therein, On the sixth day, God said, let us make man. In our image, according to our likeness. And after he created man, he rested. Implying that he finally got what he is after in his creation. The man he created fulfilled his desire, satisfied his heart. 
And in that creation of man, we can see God's eternal purpose. Man was created in a very unique way. Man was created in God's image for his expression. And God gave man dominion, gave him authority to rule over all the other creatures. This man we know was a type. It's a type of Christ. Adam was a type of Christ. And this Adam was not an individual Adam. Adam, we know, is a corporate person. Because in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, we're told, after God created man in singular, the word M-A-N, then he says, let them have dominion. This man, singular man, became the them, T-H-E-M. This man in God's eyes is not just an individual, singular man. This is a corporate man, comprised of all the entire human race. <clears throat> just as Christ, Christ, on the one hand, he was an individual person who walked on the earth for 33 and a half years, but after he died and resurrected, this Christ has been enlarged and expanded to become a corporate Christ. His, all his believers as his members becoming his body now produce a corporate Christ. Christ is now a universal person. Dear saints, God's purpose is not with dogs, not with lions, not with elephants. God's purpose is with man. We are men. Whether you're male, female, you are a man. A man created in God's image. God's purpose lies all together with man. Doesn't matter how beautiful the mountains are here. All the trees, the lakes, the river, the, the, the water. Without man, everything is empty. What makes this earth so beautiful is human beings. It's man in God's image. According to God's purpose, man is the means for, God, for God's manifestation. Whenever God manifested himself to his people, he appeared as a man. He came to Abraham in Genesis 18 as a man. He appeared as a man. He didn't appear as a dog, as a lion, as a tiger. He came, he appeared, his manifestation is through a man. A human being. Man is the means for God to have his move. We saw in the book of Ezekiel, with the four living creatures, every creature has four faces, right? First, the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, the face of an eagle. But the prominent appearance of the four living creatures is what? The man. 
These four living creatures bear the appearance of a man. And this four, these four living creatures afford God to move with the great and awesome wheel to, uh, to bring forth God's move all over the earth. God needs a man for his move. Also in Ezekiel, we see that man is the means of God's administration. The one on the throne who is God, but his likeness is like that of a man, both in Ezekiel and in Revelation. We see the one, there's one sitting on the throne. We know that is God, but he looks like a man. <clears throat> Today, God is administrating <clears throat> over the whole universe for his purpose, to carry out his economy. But he, he the one who administrates is not just God, but God in the appearance of a man. So man is the means for God's manifestation. Man is the means for God's move. Man is the means for God's administration. Man is the center of God's plan, the center of God's heart. This morning, you have to be proud of yourself. I'm a man. Hallelujah. I'm not a doggy. I'm not a lion. I'm not an elephant. I, I am a man. How about let's all declare that? I'm a man. Hallelujah. Sisters, you are men too, okay? <laughs> Remember that. We're not talking about the, the genders. We're talking about man created in God's image. Man is the, God must gain this man. And this man is not just many individual persons, but one corporate man. And this man, of course, we know, <clears throat> the first man, Adam, he was defeated in the Garden of Eden. He failed and became sinful. But <clears throat> 4,000 years later, there's another man who came. Amen. That was the second man Amen. by the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. He is called the second man. The first man failed God, but the second man came. He fulfilled what God intended for man. He expressed God wherever he went. He told people, you see me, you see the Father. He expressed the Father. And he represented the Father with his Father's dominion, his authority. He defeated Satan. The second man, he fulfilled God's plan. He succeeded. But there, while he was hanging on the cross, at the last stage of his life, according to Ephesians 2.15, we read, Paul revealed this to us. While he was hanging on the cross, he created one new man. This second man, upon his dying, he says, yes, I, have, as a second man, individual man, is about to finish, but I'm creating one new man. Of the two, the two refers to the two peoples, the Jews and the Gentiles, into a corporate new man in himself. And we know that is the church. 
That is the church that Christ prophesied he will build in Matthew 16. Where did Christ build his church? Where did he fulfill that promise that he said in Matthew 16? He did that. When he, he fulfilled that when he was on the cross. He created the one new man, which is the church. And there, the gates of Hades cannot prevail. And remember, according to Colossians 2, while Christ was crucifying there, was being crucified there, all, all the principalities and powers were swarming around the cross, trying to stop Christ from going through with his death. But, praise the Lord, Paul tells us that Christ stripped them off. All the rulers and the authorities, he stripped them off and made an open shame. He defeated them. Made an open shame of them. Openly. Through the cross. He dusted them off like you dust off the garment. The gates of Hades cannot prevail. Christ was producing the church there on the cross. So today, brothers and sisters, the new man, we have to realize the new man came into being at the cross. The new man already came into being, was created by Christ on the cross. But this new man was still like a babe, like a child who needs to grow up, who needs to mature. Today, we are at this stage. And as Paul revealed to us in Ephesians, that <clears throat> we should be no longer babes being tossed about. We need to arrive at a full-grown man, at the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is where we are today. We should not allow the new man to remain still in the babyish stage. We need to cooperate with the Lord to allow the new man to grow, to arrive at the fullness, the full-grown stage. Arrive at this measurement of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Right? What will be this measurement? This measurement is the breadth, the length, and height, and depth that was mentioned in chapter 3 of Ephesians. The new man will have such a measure, just as Christ was. He is immeasurable. He is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. So will be the new man. Then ultimately, this man will become the bride. That will be the new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. Remember, brothers and sisters, the New Jerusalem is not a lifeless, dead city. The New Jerusalem is a person. Christ is not marrying a dead, lifeless city. Christ is marrying a person. The New Jerusalem is a person. When John, the Apostle John, was shown the New Jerusalem, the angel, the angel told him, look at the bride. This is the bride of the Lamb. This man whom we saw God created, 
in his purpose in Genesis 1, now is being consummated to be that corporate person, the new Jerusalem. The Bible is very consistent. The vision is clear, right? I mean, we just travel from Genesis to Revelation to see God's purpose is all together with man, right? From the fallen man to Christ, the second man, to redeem man, to bring forth this corporate new man, and ultimately consummating in this colossal, corporate, universal man, the new Jerusalem. So this new man will fulfill the twofold purpose of expressing God and dealing with God's enemy. The one new man equals the body of Christ. Christ and we together form a universal man. This one new man is formed by Christ and us, the believers, together. This is the body of Christ. If you read Colossians 2, 15 and 16 together, it is in Paul's view. Although he says Christ created the one new man on the cross, and right there in verse 16 he says that in one body we were reconciled to God. That one, that one new man created by Christ on the cross, mentioned in, in verse 15, is the one body mentioned in verse 16. That one body is the one new man. The one, one new man is the one body. The emphasis on the church being the body of Christ is on life. Whereas the emphasis on the church being the one new man is on the person. As the body of Christ, the church needs Christ as his life. As the one new man, the church needs Christ as his person. As I mentioned that uh, since Brother Lee released those messages in 1977, the Lord know where we were. We were not ready to receive and enter into all, all the revelation concerning the one body. It took the next, at least until at least 20 years, until Brother Lee passed away. In those next 20 years, Brother Lee spent much time to re- speak on the body of Christ. And I, I, I have, to, I have, to, I have to, to, to admit that in, those, in these past 40 years, I believe the recovery advanced much in the knowledge, in the revelation, in the experience of the body of Christ compared to 40 years ago. Concerning the matter, through the matter of the blending, through the matter of the cross, I think we enter more today into the reality of the body of Christ compared to 40, 50 years ago. And without this, we will not be able to arrive at this point today. And I have to say, we are ready to enter into the seeing, into the reality and practicality of this one new man that is being spoken in 77. The body refers to the life. This is the bulk, the main part of my, my person, right? It, when you talk about a person, of course, the, 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 you, know, you describe his, uh, this is, 
the, this is the, the body of this person with all the members, with all the organs, and uh, you know, full of life, full of this organism, enabling this person to go about from one place to another, to move about. But this body, as an entity of life, is not just any old body of some kind of a, a life mass. This body is a body of a person under a head, right? This body that Paul talks about in Ephesians 1, the church which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all, is the body of a person. And the person has a personality. A personality, what? It uh, governs. It determines how he thinks, how he decides things, how he, what he loves and hates. The body, as an entity of life, enables this, this uh, being to move about. But the person with the personality the head, the central, the central organ as the command center. It tells this body, it, it, uh, it, it, it governs, it, it commands this body what to do, how to respond. Even the blinking of your eye is determined by your head. Your breathing, every motion in your body is controlled command by the head. So today, on the one hand, we are all members of the body of Christ. We all are members one of another. We love each other. We are connected with each other. But on the other hand, we also realize we, the body, are under a head. Christ is the head of this body. And every motion, every decision is governed by the headship of Christ. Without his headship, this body cannot move. So today, not only have we seen all the wonderful function, operation of the body, now we see this body is under the headship. Doesn't matter where, which part of the country, which part of the world you come from, what language you speak, what color of you, we all have only one head, one person. Christ himself, he governs, he determines what we should say, how we should respect, respond, react to each other. I said at the beginning, nothing can be higher than this. Nothing can be stricter than this. There are millions, billions of believers, but the Lord is, is moving toward this goal. At least he wants to gain this with his recovery. If not with all his children in general, but at least he must gain this in the recovery. In the churches here. By revealing this matter of the new man. <clears throat> that in spite of, I don't know today, outside of mainland China, there may be what, 400,000 saints? Include within China, nearly a million saints there in China. All of us, say one and a half million saints in the recovery. We're all moving together. We're all enjoying the life. We're all enjoying the rich supply. But now the Lord is bringing us on to this next stage that is in spite of 
so many races we have, so many languages, so many tongues and colors. We only have one person among us. This is not easy. I admit it's not easy. But God's word says it. With one mouth, we glorify God the Father. With one mind, the Lord is blending us to have one mind, one speech, one speaking. I mean, we are entering into this in a somewhat in a superficial way. I mean, Elwale, now you travel among the churches, you go to China, you go to Shanghai, they are, they are in Leviticus probably, just like you are. You know, you go to Africa, Ethiopia, they are enjoying the same ministry that like you are. It's amazing what the Lord is, has done, actually, is a, is a wonder of all wonders. How can these people from all different languages and, and background, and we all enjoy the same thing together? I mean, that is wonderful, but still not wonderful enough. Merely to do things, kind of enjoying the same, same, same thing is one thing. But now to go further, to say we all are being led, being governed by one person. That is not simple. But the Lord has to gain this. It doesn't matter. You are from Africa, from Germany, from, from Brazil, or from China. We all learn to speak the same thing. We all have the same mind, same love, because we all have only one person. Jesus Christ is the unique person, filling us and saturating us. Okay, now, let's go on to the second point. The one new man was created by Christ on the cross with two kinds of materials, the redeemed, recreated man and the divine element. On the cross, Christ put these materials together to produce a new man. Dear saints, I hope Ephesians 2.15 will be a new verse to you this weekend. What did Christ do on the cross? Most Christians only see that Christ shed the blood for me on the cross. He died for my sins on the cross. Have you ever realized that on the cross, Christ abolished the, all the law of commandments in ordinances? He said, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with my sins? Huh. I think without Paul's writing, we would have no clue that there was such an aspect in Christ's work on the cross. He abolished, nullified the law of commandments in ordinances which causes the people to be separated, divided from one another. And then what? He says, on the cross, he created. Is there such a death in human history that as one dying, he created something? There's not, never such a death in our human history. That is a, it's not a dying death, it's a creating death. In that death, he created something. He created one new man. He had to abolish all the ordinances because those refer to all the different habits, different ways of life that separate the people from one another. We don't know how deep those ordinances go in our, in our culture, in our, in our human living. 
deep inside of us. These ordinances, spoken, unspoken, causes human race to be divided in the last 6,000 years. We are not only fallen, we're not only sinful, we have become divided from one another. Well, we'll talk about more in, in, in a later message. The Jews and the Gentiles cannot get along because they have, we have, they have different, different, different culture, different standards of living. A master, a slave, different statuses. Well, ordinances. That means referring to our regulation. One time I was in Korea, I was speaking a, a, a message like this and talking about the Koreans. You know, they're very clean. They're, you know, they're in, in the houses, you know, you, you enter, you take off your shoes, and then you, oh, you walk in with your shoes on. Of the Koreans say, Whoa, no, 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 no. You would offend them to the uttermost. To, to us, the Americans, we, we, it doesn't matter. No big deal. But to, to another people, wow, that's a transgression. Trust. It's, a, it's an ordinance that we have picked up, causing us to be divided from one another. But Christ on the cross, he had in, in his work there, there is one aspect of his work on the cross is to abolish all those ordinances. He zeroed us out. He zeroed us. Bring us all to the same level. The Jews cannot say, we are the holy people. We are God's chosen people. We are, we are higher than you are. No. I'm circumcised. I'm better than you are. No. On the cross, he nullified that. He put us all on the same level. Amen. So that we cannot say, I'm better than you. I'm higher than you. I'm more spiritual than you. Without that, we still have excuses and grounds to say, I can be, I'm different than you. You are different from me. But now Christ removed all the differences. He nullified all those ordinances. He put us all on the same level, on the same ground, in order to create in himself one new man. Amen. Oh, dear saints, I hope the Lord, God will open our eyes to see this wonderful, crucial aspect of Christ's work on the cross. He didn't just merely die for my sins there. He died to create, to bring forth this one new man. Amen. And he did that. This one new man was made of two kinds of materials. One kind of material is human, humanity, is human, and the other human material is divine. We all are human, and in the hum our humanity has been corrupted, has become sinful, right? Plagued with sins and corruption. But now, when Christ went to the cross, he died for our sins. He cleansed all our sins, all our offenses. He did that. He removed all those negative elements and including all our habits and ways of life, the ordinances. Then he says what? Then he created the two, the two peoples in himself. 
These two words are crucial. In himself. Dean Alford, in his dictionary, he says, in himself, these two words means in him as the sphere and with him as the element. That's what in him means. That means in, a, in this person as a realm and also with this person as the element. This new man is made in Christ. That means it's made in the sphere of Christ and with the element of Christ. Without the element of Christ, there's no new man. <clears throat> the new man is not just the old man, <clears throat> the corrupted man, cleaned up or cleansed. That's not good enough. There has to be the addition, the impartation of another element. That is the element of Christ. The human element which has been redeemed, restored back to God's original condition, created condition, and with the addition of the divine element of Christ, these two elements brought together produce this new man. A, in the creating of the new man, first our natural man was crucified by Christ. And then through the crossing out of the old man, Christ imparted the divine element into us, causing us to become a new entity. The phrase in himself in Ephesians 2.15 indicates that Christ was not only the creator of the one new man, but also the sphere in which and the essence with which the one new man was created. Christ was the creator. He was also the realm. He was also the element of the creation of the new man. This is wonderful. Saints, <clears throat> let me just remind you, the new man has been created. Amen. 2,000 years ago, when Christ on the cross, he did that already. He did that with the fallen man, cleaning them up, redeemed them back to God, and then adding himself as the divine element, these two elements, causing them to, to be produced as the one new man. So the third point says, the Bible reveals that the one new man is a corporate, universal man. We, the believers in Christ, are all one with Christ to be the new man. Thus, we all are parts, are components of the corporate one new man. You are not just merely a sinner saved by grace. You are a part of a corporate new man. The one new man is a corporate God-man, the aggregate of all the God-men. When we put all the God-men together, we have the one new man. Dear saints, you are a God-man. I am a God-man. I'm a man with God dispensed into me. I have a ma I'm a man, not only redeemed, I'm a man also having God added into me, having the divine element mingled with me. I'm a God-man, aren't you? If you are a God-man, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Declare, I am a God-man. God yes, this is, not, this is not heretical. This is not blasphemy. This is only declaring a spiritual fact. Haven't you, haven't you been born of God? Of course, as, a born, as one's born of God, God is our Father. We have God's life in us. 
We are not just merely human beings, oh, uh, 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 repentful, and uh, uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we have, uh, uh, you know, repented of our wrongdoings, and now we are want to live a, a better life. It's not just that. Now you have received God's life into you. You are a God-man. And when all the God-men come, come together, we, become, we form the corporate God-man. And this corporate God-man is the one new man. I hope this is clear. Now, number four, the goal of the Lord's recovery. Let's all read this point together. Number four. I hope this weekend we can be refreshed again with this goal. We're not just here to perpetuate just a kind of uh, uh, church meetings, you know, and just uh, to serve in the church in a kind of a common way. There's a goal we're heading toward is to bring forth this one new man. What was divided and scattered in the old man is recovered in the new man. We need to be impressed that in Genesis, we are shown that with man's fall, it was not merely that man ate of the wrong tree, right? Man partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, true. But the fall of man did not stop there. As Brother Lee told us in the life study of Genesis, that the fall of man involved what? Four steps like a person rolling down the stairway, staircase. The eating of the tree of knowledge is just one step. Then it rose onto another step. And it rose onto another step. And it rose onto the fourth step. Step after step. The fall of man, the peak, the epitome of man's fall, was reached in Genesis 11, when man decided to come together to challenge God. They wanted to build a high, high tower to reach up to God, to show God what man can do. Up to that point, man was still in one accord. Man, this fallen man, not only had become sinful, had become corrupted because of the tree of, tree of knowledge of good and evil, now mankind was doing something even more evil to challenge God to be higher than God. So God says, okay, let us go down to confound them, confound them into different languages that they cannot understand one another so that to cease their work. So it was there, God, the, the languages came in. The men became not only fallen, but also divided. They cannot communicate or Give me a piece of, pass me a piece of stone. And they cannot, well, they cannot understand. So they cannot, and you cannot understand, so the work cannot go on. So they cannot finish, they cannot carry out that work. So Babel, that, was, that happened at Babel. That was the land where division began, and then eventually, right, developing into the great Babylon, in Babel, in, in, at the end of Revelation. That signifies division. We need to be impressed that the fall of man invo in, involves these two factors, that 
not only the factor of sin right, and trespasses, but also uh, division. Man has become divided and scattered. So in the old man, man was divided and scattered. In the new man, man is gathered and made one. When Christ was crucified on the cross, he died for our sins. Praise the Lord. Our sins were cleansed. But not only that, Christ also abolished the law of commandments and ordinances that separated us, divided us, in order to create the one new man. So that 50 days from then, in, the, in, in Jerusalem, when, when, when the 120 believers were there, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and all those people, all the Jews, they were scattered in many places. Then they were visiting Jerusalem. They heard the noise, and they heard these people speaking their, their dialect. So they were scattered. They were Jews, but they were all scattered in the different regions. But they, were, they happened to be in Jerusalem on that day, and they heard the noise, and they heard the message given by Peter, and 3,000 got saved and were baptized. All those scattered ones in the different regions around Jerusalem, on that day in Jerusalem, on the day of Pentecost, they were gathered and became one. They became one church. There was just a church in Jerusalem. We know there were some Hebrew-speaking, there were some Greek-speaking ones there. There may be other, other dialects. But now, on the day of Pentecost, with the church in Jerusalem, that was a reversal of Babel. Amen. The curse of Babel was reversed. Amen. In the church in Jerusalem. Not only they were forgiven and cleansed and regenerated, now they were gathered. They became one, one church, one body. In the world, the more different and individualistic a person is, the better. This is contrary to God's economy, which is to gather and to make one. To put off the old man is to put off the divided and scattered man. To put on the new man is to put on the gathered and one new man. Amen. Praise the Lord this weekend. Jesus has gotten us together. Amen. We're not scattered in the different parks having our own little barbecues. <laughs> doing our little, little things. This weekend we are gathered. Amen. We declare that we are one. Amen. We are one new man. Amen. Not only one body. We are even one new man. Having Christ as a unique person. In us, among us. What the Lord has been doing, he says, and what he is now doing in his recovery is bringing forth the one new man with himself as the life and as the person for God's expression. I hope this, this line would impress you with what the Lord has been doing and is still now doing in his recovery to bring forth this new man. And see, says the one new man will usher in the kingdom of God and will bring Christ the King back to the earth. Amen? Amen? We are not here foretelling anything. We're not here prophesying. But this is what the Bible reveals. 
There will be the bride. Dear saints, there will be the bride. The bride is being prepared. And how is that bride will become about is by the bringing forth of this one new man. And that will be the coming in, coming back, com, coming in of God's kingdom on this earth to bring the king back to the earth. Number five, in the church as the one new man, Christ is all and in all. Amen. This is the key point. In the new man, it's not so much how many colors, how many races, how many tongue, languages. In the, what we are boast of, what we boast of in the new man, is that we all have only Christ. Christ is the unique person. He is all. He is in all. He must be all. He must be everything. He must be in everything. Not just in the meeting, but in our daily life, in our dressing, in our business, conducting business, in our work, in our daily, daily life. Christ must be all. And he is in all. We have to let Christ saturate us in all our daily situation. There is no natural person in the one new man. And there is no possibility, no room for any natural person. Although many different kinds of people make up the one new man, all are part of Christ. They are no longer the natural persons. In the one new man, there is only one person the all-inclusive Christ. Dear saints, that's why I say, without, without us seeing more concerning the church as the body of Christ, I don't think we can ever arrive at this point. If we don't even learn to take Christ as our life, forget about taking Christ as our person. But we, need to, but we cannot stop at just taking Christ as our life which we enjoy very much, we appreciate. But we have to take Christ as our person. In many of our affairs, our situation, the Lord may say, no, the Lord may say, don't do this, don't say that. Christ must be the person. He makes the decision in every little activity what we should do or what we should not do. In this new man, there's no room for natural persons. So every day, we all must learn to live Christ, take Christ as our person, and then spontaneously, the new man will be brought forth. This Christ must be all. That is a very strong word, right? Christ is not just many good things to us, many positive things to us. Christ must be all, all. Recently, I, I, I did say something. I, I brought my grandchildren to, to Legoland not too long ago. I've never been there. I went there, everything is Lego. The trees made of Lego, houses of Lego. You know, chairs, benches are Lego. In that land, you may say, Lego is all. It's everything. <laughs> everything is Lego. Cars, you know, just... All the animals made up, built by Lego. They just make Lego everything in that land. Of course, that's a very poor illustration. That's, that's, uh, but gives you some idea. Christ wants to be everything to us. In the church life. Not only in the meetings. right? In, the, in, our, in our home life. In our work life. 
where is Christ to us? In Christianity, Christ may be mentioned a little bit once a, once a week. In some places, not even once. But today in the recovery, the Lord must gain, not just mentioning Christ. Christ must be lived out. Christ must be our everything. We eat Christ, we drink Christ, we breathe Christ, we clothe Christ. Everything must be Christ. Christ is everything. Christ is all. We are living in a, in a land of Christ. He is the all-inclusive land. We feed off this Christ. We feed on this land. This land means everything to us. He says, the one new man comes into being as we are, saturated, filled, and permeated with Christ, and replaced by him through an organic process. Our Christ today, he is so rich, he is so all-inclusive. He is not only our Savior, our Creator, our Savior, our Master. He is our clothing, he is our chair, the rest that we have. He is everything that we feed on. We need to be saturated with Him, permeated with Him, filled with Him, and replaced by Him through an organic process. The new man in Christ in all the saints is, the new man is Christ in all the saints, permeating us and replacing us until all Natural distinctions have been removed and everyone is constituted of Christ. The all-inclusive Christ must be wrought into us organically until he replaces our natural being with himself. This is why Ephesians 3.17 is so crucial these days. Christ must make his home in our hearts. He must be the person who takes possession of our hearts. Our heart is the central uh, control center of our being. And Christ, he is the controller. He is the person in our hearts. See, in the one new man, Christ is all the members and is in all the members. The Christ who dwells in us is the constituent of the one new man. Because Christ is all the members of the new man, there is no room in the new man for any race, any nationality, culture, or social status. At least there's this one verse in Colossians 3.11 tells us, Christ is you. Christ is me. Right? Christ is all. The all there particularly refers to all the persons. Christ must be all the persons. In Philippians 1, Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Paul can declare he is Christ. He lives Christ. And now in Colossians 3, we are told Christ must be us. Christ must be you, brother. Christ must be me. Christ must be you, sisters. Then the new man, Christ replaces all of us. No room for the other things. Now, come to the last point. Let's all read this point, Romans, 4, Romans 6. When is the time? Now. When? Now. Right now. Now is the time. No time is better than this time. 
today is the right time. The world situation has been raised up for the goal of the one new man. Everything that the Lord is doing in the present age is to usher in the practical existence of the one new man. With today's communication, with uh, you know, the, the cell phone, the, 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 the technology, computer, internet, they are not for people to just entertain, play games with. They are to facilitate the bringing in, the communication, the blending together of all the saints from all over the world. You know, it's just unimaginable today we can communicate with the saints in Africa so conveniently. Years ago, it's just impossible, right? But now it's just one little, you know, finger, move around your finger, and, and there they are. And you can even see them on the screen. Like they are right there in your living room, but they're thousands of miles away. What is this for? Just for you to have a good time? It's for the bringing force of the one new man. This is why I say even after 21 years, Brother Lee has been gone and we are still here. Why? For what? Just to perpetuate a kind of tradition? No, we have been commissioned to bring forth this one new man. And the world situation is never better than now for us to have, uh, uh, take advantage of the facility to practice, to experience the reality of the one new man. So because of the advances in technology, there is now the possibility that the saints in every locality in their environmental circumstances will become the one new man in reality and in practicality. When the one new man is perfected, that will be the time for the Lord's coming, and the perfected new man will be the bride. Let's read the last two points together. These are quotations from the from Brotherly Speaking 1977. Deep. is what the Lord wants today. Amen. Okay, I've stopped my speaking here. Uh, before, we have a, a, a general prophesying. Uh, we'll give you maybe four or five minutes, five minutes, for you to speak with the ones near you. Okay? Uh, you can stand up, you can sit down, three or four, four or five of you. Just share whatever you were touched with. Okay? Five minutes. And then after that, we can have a general uh, response from any one of you. Okay? You can stand up or whatever you want to do, either way. 